let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. Tina Bellin today to talk about authentic leadership and to find out what her superpower is. It's amazing how naturally this superpower was threaded throughout her entire conversation. And then we started talking about it in detail at the end. It's really amazing to hear her journey and just not only the moments that really mattered where she went from working in the hospital system for seven years, started down the path as a nurse into the tech industry as what she calls a faker salesperson, and also then shifting out of that 20-year career with that company into the unknown, and then dealing with a major shift in her career where she was able to identify and learn a lot about where she is in life, realign with her values and priorities, and find the job that she is super excited about right now. Hear her story, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt, Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt, or Twitter at McCourt Angie. So without further ado, let's hear from Tina. Tina, welcome to Shifting Inside Out. I am so, so, so excited to have you on. Um, I just want to say thank you very much for your time in this episode. And to get started, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Angie, you make me excited to be on here. Thank you so much. I am Tina Bellin, and I reside just outside of Tampa, Florida. I'm 54 years old. Don't care about that number because I'm like an eight-year-old at times and also like a 20-year-old at times. Um, I have been in the channel for the majority of my career. I have spent some time outside the channel. I did spend 20 years at the same company. I'll tell you a quick little story that describes me, and it makes me look like you don't like change. I am married to my high school sweetheart. We both went to Seminole High. We live in Seminole, and I was with the same company for 20 years. It's it just It's nutty. Um, I have two kids. Um, one is a is graduating next month from Florida State, and the other one is uh, graduating from high school next year. And one's a boy, one's a girl. And what else can I tell you about myself? Um, I currently, um, l- when I left my company that I worked for um, with you, actually, um, I'm, I mm-hmm. thought that when I left my former company after 20 years, that I would never have that same sense of friendship, trust, excitement, confidence. Um, But I knew that I had to go and learn from somebody else. So I cried like a big baby and I left my comfort zone to go to this other company. And I'm so happy I did. I do have all those things that I never thought I would see again. And I think that's important that even though it can be scary um, it, it, it can turn out to be just as great as, as what you need it to be. 
Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that too, because there are a lot of people making a lot of career moves and changes right now. And it really does come down to getting out of your comfort zone and maybe expectations that you had a certain timeline associated with a company or with a position or whatnot. So thank you for sharing that. That really is is awesome, I think, for our listeners. Okay. So that was a really great introduction. That was very well-rounded. Now I'm going to ask you a few quick round questions just to go a little deeper for our listeners to get to know you. Bring it. it. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. What is your morning ritual? I am an early bird, early bird. I am not a night person. Like my husband says that I turn into another person after 830. I've always been that way. My, I would ask my parents, why don't I have a curfew? And they're like, ha, try and stay out. I am not a night person. So I get up really early and I super love to run. I run got five days a week. I run far and I always run by myself. And it's funny because um, I come up with my best ideas, whether it's career wise or family wise. I should run with a pad of paper because I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. You know, so my morning ritual is, is always to start off with a run. Oh, I love that. Well, my episode I I published last week, um, which was um, increasing your productivity 10x is all about finding flow. And so I do a reference in there about the runner's high, because it is a state of flow. And when you're in a state of flow, it opens up creativity, it opens up and it unlocks solutioning and problem solving and stuff. So you you use that yeah, as absolutely. a tool. Absolutely. And and it keeps out the crazy. So people people are yeah. very lucky that I'm a runner. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So how do you renew your energy? You are always just so balanced and so full of energy and so in tune. And how do you renew your energy? Well, I Angie, I know this is a um professional conversation, but my, my authentic answer is my deeply rooted faith. Absolutely. So that's number one for me. Yes. And then I think that my, I don't let my energy get drained. Um, so yes, mm-hmm. it is important to renew your energy, but I'm very mindful to not get drained and, and just stay focused on what's important. Have perspective. Don't let get wrapped around the axle mm-hmm. about something that truly feels like a big deal and maybe career-wise is a big deal, but keeping it in perspective. And I I would give one example of that is when I was younger, um, all I knew was I was going to be a nurse. I don't know if you know that. I was going to be a nurse. Yeah. No, I started nursing school at USF, worked at a hospital for seven years. It's all I knew. But then I kept having my heart broken. And I, you know, because I would get all wrapped up in, Mm -hmm. in the patient's lives. And I decided... Do I want to live the rest of my life with a broken heart? I knew I'd be good at it, but I knew I didn't think that's what I needed. So then I saw this really shows my age. Thank goodness I admit to it. A full page ad in the newspaper for a sales role. (laughs) So I went and I convinced them that I I was a salesperson, no sales experience. And I did such a good job that they, Mm. they hired me. I share that with you because that experience of working in a hospital for seven years really helps with perspective. In my career, what I'm essentially doing is moving a box from here to there. It has important stuff in it. It has very expensive stuff in it, but there's no, no one's liver is, is, you know, there's not someone waiting for 
some yeah. some kind of life-saving transplant in that box. So you get yeah. you get really excited like um, on, at the end of quarters, at the end of years, at the end of weeks, for goodness sakes, about where is it? Where is it? We got to close this deal. And I, I'm like, are we just calm down? I do feel like what I do is important, <laughs> but you have to realize that no one's going to die if it doesn't make there. Yes. So that's a really long answer for this is how I, I renew my energy. I don't let things drain my energy. Yes. Yes. And being able to keep things in perspective like that helps you to manage because the most, a lot of our energy is spent because our minds are running and because our emotions are running so high. And a lot of that comes down to that sense of, you know, I've got to be on, I've got to be urgent. Everything's got to be da, 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 you know, always intense, but that uses and so you much energy. Straight because you're so stressed yeah. out about the situation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Love it. Oh, I cannot wait to hear your 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 <laughs> journey. Okay, last question. What is your guilty oh, pleasure? I'm going to share this with you, and it's totally embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have issues <laughs> with reality TV, Angie. It's terrible. Okay. Like I I I can probably <laughs> talk to anybody about any darn reality television show. <laughs> I feel like I've seen everything on Netflix. I could talk to wow. all the bachelors. This is so embarrassing, but that is my guilty pleasure. And I, and I love <laughs> the fact that I am not thinking at all when I'm watching it. My mm. husband will come and be like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? And then he'll start to say, you know, that they're setting that up. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Very, you know what? Um, I think it was Penny whose um, episode was published today. She um, was a Beverly Hills house. Okay. We could be friends. Um, and <laughs> you guys could be friends. You guys should introduce yourselves on LinkedIn. Yep. <laughs> Cause that was what she called out for her guilty pleasure. So you are, you I are not so alone. I much that. better about myself. <laughs> the listeners are going, well, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are we ready? ready? I cannot. Uh, thank you for starting your journey. And, and well, obviously your journey started long before nursing school, but thank you for sharing that, that portion of your journey. But I would just love to hear your journey and just for you to share with our, with our listeners. Um, and then a couple things that I really, really want to hit on with you are around authentic leadership, because I've seen you model mm -hmm. this so well over the years. Um, and, you know, one of your superpowers, which we will unveil later. <laughs> so if you want to just go ahead and just start sharing your journey, that would be I'd really awesome. To. So um, as I mentioned, I was a big faker and convinced um, this, this company that I was uh, a salesperson. And I embraced this opportunity like you would not believe. I, I loved every minute of the training. I loved learning. I loved the way that um, I was embraced immediately to be um, well taken care of. And what I mean by that was my first boss. And, and it, I don't think he was really a boss, but he was like a team lead. Every time he did something that really only the leader of the team could do, he brought me along with him. Like, oh, I got to go talk to credit. I just want to hear, I want you to hear the conversation. Up, I'm going to go no negotiate this contract. Why don't you listen to how that sounds? And this is when I didn't know anything really about business. It's, 
I mean, other than just going to college and learning about business. Um, and I feel like that really set me on the right course. And it also helped me to be a better leader because that intention of him being so caring about my career, I, it, I, I didn't know anything else. I was like, no, that's the way you need to be with your teams. So that was a real difference maker for me. And then I think um, as I went through my career, um, I was always very unafraid to say something dumb. Um, I Meaning, like, if I had an idea, I wasn't afraid to share it. And I had a boss um, early on in my career, Joe Sarah is his name. And he always encouraged that kind of behavior. And he said, listen, Tina, don't be afraid to say anything as long as it's true. Because I think when you're young in your career, you're, you're afraid to speak up in meetings. Sometimes you get intimidated by the audience. And he knew that I had ideas to share and he wanted to make sure that I wasn't stifled. So I knew he would protect me. And I also knew that if, if it's true, why be afraid? And I learned that early on, which always helped me. And I think I'm kind of skip, skipping ahead here, but I'll go back. I think one thing about that is when you become a leader and you have that fearlessness of, of not being afraid to say something that might be silly, that might not work, that's not all the way thought through, your teams, depending on your relationship with them, may not want to poke holes in that. They may, they may not think that that's appropriate. And, and, and you're like, no, 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 we're going to build on this idea. This is just me, you know, brainstorming, poke holes in it. Let's, let's throw that idea away or let's build on that idea. I think that's it's super important to remember that um, your, your teams have to feel safe to say, okay, that, that might work, but what if we did this or that? And then you get the best of everybody's ideas. So back to my career, um, again, and not, and having a fearlessness when I felt like I was ready and this was all me, I didn't have this well thought out in two years, I'm going to do this in, you know, five years, here's where I'm going to be. And I don't know if that's appropriate or not. That's how I'm wired. Because if I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I feel like there's more to learn or more to give to that role, I'm just going to stick with it. Mm -hmm. and, and I won't do a job that I don't love. I just, I can't do it. I'm not a very good cranky person. Um, it's, it's not good. So it's just better for everybody else if I'm happy. So when I thought I was ready, I took a step up. And I became a sales manager and I had, I had a lot of responsibility. I'd say I probably had hmm, responsibility for 15 people as a first time manager. And um, I had some very, very bold people on my team. And I don't mean bold in a good way this time. I mean, this is how I do it, Tina Bellin, and I, you're not going to change that. And I also had some people who were very green and, and just all kinds of different personalities. And thankfully, as I was growing in that position, I was able to understand I can't be the same manager to all those people. To the guy that um, was going to do it his way, I found a way to relate to him, to get him to care about the bigger picture and to, to really, I don't want to say care about me, but I think that's essentially what it was. Like, like why, why are you going to muddy the waters 
at when we could all really work together and be successful together. And that's another thing I was very diligent about is just because these were separate teams with separate goals, I always gave big picture. Well, I would have, I was, I was that person who would have a team meeting each week. Even, even if I didn't have something super important to share, I wanted to give updates about where we are and the impact that each team was making in the bigger picture and the impact that we were making to the overall company. So everybody knew that they were making a bigger difference than, okay, I just, you know, sold $100,000 in business that day. And I, I feel like that was kind of key. And then after that, I went and um, I went for a job that didn't exist before. So it was, they were trying something new. And I think that's really scary. But I was like, all right, if they trust me. Definitely If is. they trust me to do it, I'm going <laughs> to try it. So we were starting a business, a new business unit where the company that I was working for had never been into. There was very traditional ways that um, that it was um, unified communications. This was a long time ago. And there was very traditional ways that people went about purchasing their solutions for unified, unified communications. And my company was not one that they would think of. So I had to make sure when I was building this team that um, I didn't have people going, well, of course you've heard of us because we worked for a huge company. You had to be humble and know the kind of language that they cared about and knew what was important to them and really become a different, your sales approach was completely different. And the training was different. The conversations were different. The, the processes were different. So that was super fun and very challenging because within my company, I had to always be make sure that they know, well, this is, this is different. You have to view us different and our approach needs to be different. So I think that maybe that put me on the map um, because that was a wildly successful um, business unit. And then I progressed from there. Um, I, I, I led the number one um, product line at this company. So all eyes were on me and my team and my success. It was, it was so big that if we had a bad day, the company had a bad day. We had a good day company had a good day. No pressure there, right? None at all. <laughs> and that was actually a team of um, 53 people. And some of them were outside the country. So I was managing managers at that point, And I was also managing people that didn't, um, I couldn't see every day. So in that case, that was before Zoom um, and video WebEx. But we used, um, shoot, what was Cisco's solution? Tele, tele, telepresence. So we used um, telepresence. I, I wanted to make sure that my team that was far away always saw us and always felt part of the team, not like they were just some distant thing. And some team meetings we have were silly. Some, you know, maybe we, we played two truths and a lie, but I really just wanted to make sure people knew each other and related to each other and felt like they were all, you know, we're all arm in arm going after the same thing. And then right before I, I left the company, I was um, promoted to uh, director of, this was probably my more challenging role because it wasn't a wildly successful business unit, but it was high, high, high dollars, super competitive. And again, I had a um, I had a team of managers and 
I think my team then was probably like 45 people. And that was, that was incredibly challenging um, because I was used to being, you know, like spotlight. Oh, we're moving the needle here. You know, I'm a big deal. Um, (laughs) But this, this was hard. So you had to be creative. You had to find um, different approaches and, and people who, who were tenacious and didn't get defeated and understood that, that we just, you can't find a way going that way, then pause, rethink, regroup, and then come up with a new plan and get in that way. So that, mm-hmm. I mean, and again, I, I'm going to say this again, because I feel like it's important. It's having the whole team on the same page as to how do I make a difference on this huge plan on this huge strategy they all understood how they're going to make a difference and their role in doing that and um i would say the biggest part of my success there was my my management trusted me they they allowed me to fail they weren't Mm -hmm. afraid to um help me to course correct but I never, ever felt like I was being course corrected. I don't know if it was a mind trick, but, you know, now, now, that I, <laughs> now that I look back and I think about those conversations, I was being guided in a very, very special way that um, that that was was like still my idea, but their idea as well with empowerment and trust. And I was never afraid mm-hmm. to fail. Because I knew that I, mm-hmm. I was ready to get back up and, and fix it. And they were they trusted me that if I were to fail, um, I'm going to fix it very quickly and, and care enough to um, build a plan to, to make it right. Mm-hmm. So true. <laughs> That's so true. I'm remembering those days. I'm like, yeah, that is so true. <laughs> so then I, um, this, I, I alluded to this. Is, this is when I was like, you know what? You've been here 20 years. You've learned from the same company. You've grown up here. And and I thought, you know, if I'm going to leave and learn from somebody else, now's probably the time to do it. And then I I was recruited, actually. So I wasn't actively looking. I may have in the back of my mind been thinking, now's the time, now's the time or whatever. And then I got this offer. I was like, oh, my goodness, that's big. That's a big deal. And as I mentioned, I've always been in the channel, always working with partners. And this was a role that was for direct sales. So my uh, my boss at the time said, "Okay." And I told him I was interviewing because I loved him so much. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do anything behind his back. You know, it would would hurt my heart. So I told him what I was doing. And he said, what? Why? Tell me why. And the reasons I gave him were not something that he could argue with or anything that he could offer. And he cared about me. So he said, well, you know what? I'm going to push back if, you know, I'm going to try and keep you, persuade you. But I, you have my support. So I got this role um, doing direct sales. <laughs> so I got this offer and um, I, I, was, I was very, very, very afraid. Because whenever anybody asked me a question, I knew where, if I didn't know the answer, I was confident. I, I will get you the answer. Bing, bang, boom. I'm going to call. I'm going to email. You get the job done. Kind of cocky, you know, like it just was a level of confidence that felt really good. So I leave, I leave this very um, safe environment and I go to this new role, which I know almost nothing about. I've never dealt directly with the customers and I've never led a team 
led a team of direct sellers. But the, the person that hired me trusted that this is something that I could learn. She liked the things that I said about my leadership style. And this team needed a leader. They were, they were completely separate, doing their own thing, not having any idea the impact that they were making to the company. They, they didn't really have um, like direction almost. And so there I was like, all right, I can, I can fix that. I don't need to know how to be a direct sale, seller to fix that. Anyway, this is the, a long story short. My, uh, my manager at the time, I drove her crazy because I don't think she realized I didn't know their technology yet. I didn't know how to operate internally yet. So I, I, I had to learn all these things and I was making her nuts, <laughs> which is, which is <laughs> so sad. And you would think that I would say that that was a bad experience. I would say that it was a very uncomfortable experience, but mm. her intensity and her, um, is intentionality a word? Yeah, okay, we'll make so it a word. I think it actually is a word. It. Her, her okay. intentionality <laughs> was was so impressive and and deliberate. I took I took that. I mean, a lot of times it hurt my feelings, um, but I I did I did appreciate the incredible focus that she brought and mm-hmm. the clarity. Like this this is what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, and you're going to get it done. So super uncomfortable time. That story didn't end well because the day that I took the offer to, to leave my safe, safe company was the day that that company's CEO was let go. I'm like, oh, like been what? there. Really? <laughs> yeah. I still left. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So unfortunately, um, just three months in, I was, I, I was impacted by a layoff. And here, here mm-hmm. I am 20 years, safe, confident, loving it. And now I'm, I'm now without a job. And again, that felt terrible, but it also felt beautiful because I took mm-hmm. that time. I'll say first, I went on field trips with my kids. I, 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 I did so I volunteered all the time, worked at a food bank. It was me and like mm. 65 year old, 85 year old people. Like it was, it was, it was so fun. <laughs> I made all kinds of new friends. And then the best part was how people came out of the woodwork to help. I, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just, Hey, let me know if there's anything I can do. It's true, true help. And it, it still mm-hmm. warms my heart. How, how people just mm-hmm. proactively reached out to me you know, with, with letters of recommendations, with um, advice, guidance. Hey, I heard about this, heard about that. So for such an unfortunate thing, um, it was a positive thing. And I also think a yeah. great thing that came out of that is my husband, who's a retired policeman, he never wavered. He trusted me the entire time because I mm-hmm. was I was going for leadership positions. And you you know, you can't always get the positions that you want. And I, I was not wavering from that because I loved leading people. And I, I, I was just like, you know, we knew how much money we had and how, you know, how long we had to do it. And he was like, 
I trust you. I trust you. So, so that was another positive thing that came out of a very negative thing. And mm -hmm. then I landed at my company. Now I work, I work at NetApp. I don't know if I've said that. No, not yet. <laughs> I work at NetApp. Yay me. And, um, I, I, I got a role where, um, it was an individual contributor, but it was a role that I never had before. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to just jump right into a leadership leadership position, not knowing really what I'm doing. I, I, I did that once and um, I am a fake it till you make it sort of person, but, but <laughs> I was excited about what this role had to offer. And I, mm -hmm. I, I got into it and loved it. I loved owning my business. I loved owning my strategy. I loved influencing people without them really having to listen to me. And, and, I, and, I, and I realized that, that they did and they cared about my success. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was super mm -hmm. fun. And, um, and, I, and I, was, I was very successful at it. I, I feel like mm -hmm. um, I was able to encourage people to believe um, in what I believed in because it was mm -hmm. very authentic. And um, they knew that I cared about their success as well. And then I grew from mm -hmm. there. And um, I, I've been with NetApp for six years now. And I feel like I have that same, you know, respect, that same um, support. And um, I, I just, I, I really am very, very blessed when it comes to my career because I, I wake up in the morning and I'm pretty darn excited. Mm, I think awesome. it brings us to that's today. So good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, you know, first I just have to say thank you for sharing, you know, that not everything was always easy or peachy. And, you know, that's um, a lot of times, you know, we have a hard time um, recognizing that those situations that happen there for a reason, it's for us to learn something more than likely on our journey. That's what we're on. And I think that, um, you know, part of your shift there was interesting because you had mentioned the comfort zone at the old company, the um, almost feeling cocky, like I'm confident I can solve any problem because I have mm -hmm. a network, right? Then you go into this environment where not only you don't know the technology, you're dealing with a team that's a little dis disjointed, but then also you don't have all the answers, right? So you had to come back to this really um, like interesting growth edge where it is the, 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 the beginner's mm -hmm. mind, and the beginner's mindset, which is all about learning and growth and curiosity and all of these pieces that I think sometimes when we become very comfortable, we lose mm -hmm. those aspects. So hearing, you know, that shift for you, there were so many important things and that probably even as you started at NetApp that you brought in, in that new mindset, in that new way of, of approaching life and career and teams and customers and I'm, everything I'm, like share I'm, that what I'm was a that different about person. you i am a different person because yeah. of those experiences i've even gone as far back to think about the um the maybe the the bosses that i didn't enjoy so much what mm -hmm. i learned from them the ones that works were were mm -hmm. where i really you know some you, sometimes you you have to be able to gel well but you don't always mm -hmm. gel well and you don't understand each other 
I thought about the experience. Yes. <laughs> I would think about instead of being mad about it, I would be like, you know what? What what was their intention? Were they mm -hmm. were they trying to make me nuts? Were they trying to be mean? No. Were they trying to make us successful? Yes. And just because it wasn't a relatable approach to me doesn't mean it was yeah. wrong. And then, so I, yeah. like you said, ever since I, I was um, awakened, <laughs> for, lack, for lack of a better <laughs> term, I'm very intentional about learning something from every experience, whether it's a call mm. with someone who was just hired and I, I, I get very excited about their, their, their great ideas and their enthusiasm and, and, and I'm like, you know what, I, that's a, that is, that is a fresh approach that I never even thought about. So I have all these years of experience, but I will make sure that I capture their ideas as well, because I, you're, there's yeah. always an opportunity to learn. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, you, you did such a great job of articulating the, the, um, leadership style that you've carried forward throughout your career. And by the way, leadership doesn't mean you have to be in a title of managing people, right? Leadership is, is, is kind of this general sense of, you know, being able to help shift, right? Whether it's shifting mindset to results, shifting attitude to um, team environment, um, shifting a um, or influencing even, you know, an idea into fruition. And um, I love that you shared some examples around, you know, really authentic leadership, because as we look into the future and we look at some of the old ways that leadership has been in place, that it's been, you know, all about results. It's been very much about, um, I would say, more apathy than empathy, um, I viewed and, ha and have seen you model in an authentic way connection with your teams. And I'll share in a second my view of your superpower. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to understand from you, like, how easy was that for you? And how intentional were you in connecting with your team to be able to really be that authentic leader for them? which so many people call you out all the time still 10, 20, 15 years later about what a great leader oh, you are. Oh, you make are. my heart, so you make my heart you? smile so much, Angie. That, that really, really means a lot to me. And I'm not smart enough to say it was part of my plan. I think, really, it's the, it's the truth. I, I made sure that I surrounded myself with people who were more talented, smarter, and, mm -hmm. and people who I enjoyed working with. And I was never afraid to make sure they, I didn't care about my title. If I was supposed to give a presentation because that's the proper person, I'm doing air quotes, everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the proper person to do it. I would be like, no, this person is so much better suited. And I would, I'm like a, I've always been like a proud mama with my team. Like anytime that they could be highlighted, and where where my leaders could see what a great person, what a great asset they had, I would push them to the forefront and make sure that that they were noticed. And and I I love that. And I I love learning from my team. And I was always very willing to share my opinion with my team as well. Like I I I never um I never backed away from a difficult conversation. 
Um, I think that's that. Hey, is that my superpower? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not, but it is one of them. <laughs> you don't avoid I don't conflict. avoid conflict because I feel like if I feel guilty about something when I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, then I'm going to come off as guilty where I may not be that I may come off as not being right. But if I feel like my opinion is justified and I can back up that justification and I can also be open and objective to what they have to say back, then there's no problem. And that's worked out for me. I'd say 95% of the time there's 5% where I'm like, Whoa, 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 that did not go well at all. But 95% of the time, perhaps the, um, you know, there was a coaching session and maybe the person did not like what I was saying. There's probably a reason why they didn't like it. I would say almost every time they came back to me, maybe months later, maybe years later and said, you know what, that was the, that was the most difficult conversation I've had or difficult time in my career, but thank you. So, you Mm -hmm. know, like, like they get it. And, and I don't come off as judgy. Mm-hmm. I come off as, here's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. Here's why I'm thinking it. And I'd like mm-hmm. to understand, I would like for you to help me to understand like why, you know, this or that, you know, it, it was, I, it was truly, I truly wanted to understand their point of view. And, and sometimes it had to be my way because that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So, sometimes I had to have, you know, are you in or you out conversations and it's okay if they're mm-hmm. out. It's totally yep. okay. Yep. But if I have a goal to meet and you're not helping support that goal, then then we, we need to have a conversation about that. And that sounds kind of mm-hmm. like I'm a turd, but it's it's not necessarily like my intention. It's you got a job to mm-hmm. do and you know I'm I'm open to your thoughts, but really essentially I just need you to I need you to be on board with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, that um, trying to force someone to stay in a role that they're just, it's not no. a good fit instead of having the conversation, even if it's challenging or difficult or, or tough, having the conversation about what do they really want? And here's where there's a little bit of misalignment can go a long way for that person. It actually does better for them than trying to force them and beat them down because they're not, you know, achieving the goals that they need to achieve or doing it in the way that, you know, is, is kind of the accepted way of that time. And actually ponying up and having the difficult conversation is not easy. And it is something that is probably missing quite a bit in leadership nowadays. I I totally agree because um, if, if you ignore it, you know, it's a lot easier at that point in time, and maybe somebody else will deal with it. No, no. Mm-hmm. If you see yes. potential in that person, then then you yeah. owe it to that person to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ready for the big <gasps> dun, reveal? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of the biggest things, I, and this is just one I'll call out, but you have many superpowers, but one that I find, and that you even threaded it through your story, you wove it through your story, it came out so many times, um, but that I've witnessed myself is you provide clarity. You are a clarifier. Um, and it's one of the best, I would say, gifts that nowadays is so critical. And it's, you know, it's fine to, to lead a team from afar and to give tasks and manage processes. 
um, or even from a, a leadership, meaning new ideas and bringing um, and influencing groups, um, not necessarily managing people. Clarity and being a clarifier is one of the biggest gifts that I think we will see evol- hopefully evolving. Mm. But those leaders who have it are the ones of the future. They are the leaders of the future because it is so necessary. And, you know, when you think about the successes you've had because you brought clarity, direction, um, you know, I would say um, vision alignment, things like that all fall under clarity. Um, when you think about the successes that you've had over the years, like what, ha- what, ha- what has been the result of that? What has been where you've used, you've been very clear, you've been very precise in aligning people from a values pers- value perspective into the bigger picture. What has been one of the biggest results that you've seen from that over the years? Oh my goodness. I would say, um, when I was the, the leader of the Cisco practice, um, that, that was very, very challenging again. Cause I, as I mentioned, it was a huge number. It was a huge impact to the overall company, but, um, there was a lot of, of segmentation that happened. It was a lot of, right. We're all one team, but we're going to be focused in different areas. And there's, there's going to be people who are going to, who are going to get most of the attention because they're going to bring in the mm-hmm. most revenue, right? That happens mm-hmm. all the time. And it takes a lot of skill um, to make sure that you are delivering on the the really high volume, high dollar business. So that would be a segment of the mm-hmm. team. But then who are our next up and comers? We can't ignore those. Mm-hmm. We can't say, well, we're very successful if maybe we're missing in all these other different segments of the business. So I wanted to be very deliberate in how I looked at the business and and divide it up there. So we weren't celebrating when we really shouldn't be celebrating because we're missing out on this other piece of the business. So then I segmented mm-hmm. out the, the, the smaller customers and, and what could they be doing? Are they truly small? What could we do to help build their business? Is there, is there, um, is there other business we could maybe transition over to us? And what can we do mm-hmm. to grow and add more value so they would grow that business? So that way we're like, okay, this is this is what success looks like for that segment of the business. This is what it looks like for this segment of the business. And then I just kept mm-hmm. doing that, chopping, chopping, chopping. So we knew that we were firing on all cylinders would probably be the best mm-hmm. um, example of that. And the, that was super uncomfortable for my team. Um, people had mm-hmm. different goals. They, they, you know, again, back to the whole um, optically, everybody wanted to be selling the high dollar stuff because that's, that's where all the attention went. So I needed people who mm-hmm. understood the value of who are the next up and comers. What, what business are we protecting? So thinking about it in all those different aspects and then having everybody on the same page as to what that means big picture wise. I, I keep every yeah. time I set, tell that story, I think of people being arm in arm, like let, we're yeah. doing this together, but we have different roles in getting to that end result, and mm-hmm. and just making sure that I was constantly communicating the successes that each little segment was having and the impact mm-hmm. that that was making to the business. You got surgical. It's not just. 
surgical. You got surgical to be able to build it back up into the big picture for them and not just from a tops down messaging and, 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 and clarifying perspective. You got surgical, which also showed that you cared. I cared so much. And I, I truly believe that that it, they that my team believed that, and that it made them yeah. care as well. I feel like my team yeah. cared about me, which which sounds egotistical, but I we we were we were in it together. We were having bad days together, and we were having good days together, and and we all cared about helping each other get there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much. That was amazing. I love it. Okay. So um, to close us out, I wanted to see if you had any kind of call outs to share. So whether it's a book, a company, um, an organization, a nonprofit, any kind of products, like what are you thinking? So um, the the book that I read multiple times um, and I've given it as a gift multiple times. And I think this will surprise you, Angie, because it's so heavy. It's, it's a bit like when I, when I give it to somebody, I say, please have like Seinfeld queued up so you can like get the heaviness off, but it's, it's called mm-hmm. a man's search for meeting meaning by Victor Frankel. Mm-hmm. You read mm-hmm. it? Yep. Yeah. It's a, yeah. But it, yes. it's so like it, it's, it just perseverance, perseverance, perseverance yeah. and perspective. Yes. And starting each day with a renewed heart and appreciating the blessings that you have and the blessing, maybe the blessings that you've lost and just keeping that all into perspective. And I don't think that people would peg me for such a heavy topic, but it's it's an important (laughs) book to me. Awesome. Anything else? Um, I think typically you will ask um, which charities that that I care about the most. Mm -hmm. And there's two. Like I said, um, in my, again, air quotes, hiatus, when I was uh, volunteering, I volunteered at Lifeline Ministries at St. Jerome Church. Mm -hmm. So that that's a place near and dear to my heart. And then I like to um, the the Ronald McDonald House. I like to run my. I can talk. I like to raise money for Ronald McDonald House. Thankfully, I've never been touched and had to use Ronald McDonald House. But the thought of of people having to figure out a place to stay just to be close to mm-hmm. their 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 sick child it it hurts my heart. So um, that's mm-hmm. kind of an important charity for me as well. I love it. Thank you. And we have not had either of those called out on the podcast before. So <laughs> yay. yay. I like share. I like yeah. spreading the wealth and giving people more options. That's fantastic. All right. So thank you, Tina, for being on this show. Um, it was definitely a very insightful conversation, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I know how busy you are. So thank you for being with us. If you like this episode, you can tweet at McCore Angie and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. 